everyone, and welcome to the classroom. It was like a dramatic pause, and it's yeah, good. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's the final break of the series. I think we've earned a dramatic pause. Yeah, we get the da 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 da. Today we are talking about Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I don't even know where to start here. Okay. Um. This one has a very similar effect of like Order of the Phoenix, where not only is it like a relatively lengthy book, a lot happens. Mm-hmm. But I would also say there is a portion of it that is very similar to Goblet of Fire, where there's a lot that happens that isn't necessarily the most important. Like, there is kind of like a long stretch in there <laughs> that we could probably, like, there's, I think there's two or three chapters that we could condense down very easily. You mean in three there. chapters of Harry and Hermione camping? Yeah, it's just like, and then they dug around in the bag for a while and couldn't find the. I uh, couldn't find the the pikes, and then they did, and then they set up a tent. And it's like, oh, please, please, I could, I could do anything other than this right now. <laughs> I would rather cry. <laughs> um, I was, I made this comment earlier, um, off mic. I was listening to the audiobook, and I fell asleep listening to the audiobook, and woke up, uh, to the Fred Weasley death scene. <laughs> I just woke up to the, to my phone going, and then, like, the last of his smile was etched across his face. I was like, uh, oh, my God. And I think that's important to note about this book is we get a lot of character deaths. J.K. Rowling is not afraid to just murder your favorite characters mm-hmm. in this book. Um, obviously, I mean, with last book, we've seen the death of Albus Dumbledore, um, which I don't know if he was really anybody's favorite character. I'm sure at the time somebody thought he was cool. <laughs> Before people processed that he was... I was like, oh, hold on. Please tune in to last week's episode for where we <laughs> where, where hate we, Dumbledore. Yeah, where we hate Dumbledore and decide that he was definitely grooming Harry. Yes. Uh, last week on The Classroom. Um, but, you know, we see, obviously, we see Snape get got. Oh, no, sad. <laughs> oh, so sad. You gonna cry? You will cry, baby. Um, but then we see like some actually like hard hitting deaths there with with Remus and Tonks, who just had a baby in this book, and then they get got. Um, and then of course Fred, who dies laughing with Percy, which is like, we'll we'll get into that. So I guess we might as well go ahead and start off with our usual recap of the book. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this will take up the first half of the episode. Don't worry, we'll we'll, we'll speed it up. We'll pick up the tempo. A Would bit. you like to start? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, so it starts up with uh, it, actually, I think this is one of the first times that it doesn't start off with a like a full on like Harry sort of point of view. I mean, I guess the last book was sort of a flashback, but that was in Harry's mind. Uh, well, well, no, because last book we seen the the Spinner's End. Oh, did we? Yeah, okay, but I don't remember if it was the first chapter. Anyhow. And anyway. Um, so Snape is walking up to, uh, it, it starts with Snape walking up to, uh, Lucius Malfoy's house and, uh, Voldemort is there and all the Death Eater buddies, they're sort of just chilling, having a good time. Uh, and Snape is like, oh, hey, uh, it's gonna, Harry, Harry's getting moved. Um, uh, Harry's getting moved next Saturday. Uh, get ready for it. And then some other dude that I forget the name of. Uh, he's not he, Yeah, him. He's not the most important fella. But basically, he's he's kind of getting rivaled by Snape. And he's like, oh, I hear they're actually getting moved on, like, the 13th. And uh, Snape's like, oh, no, I trust I trust Snape more. He, he's a cooler guy. Uh, he, has, he gets r- <laughs> fresher information than you. We learned that the Death Eaters are actually just a bunch of siblings. Um competing for the one parent's attention yeah that was that's <laughs> just like hey look at me pay attention to me and Voldemort's like no 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 he's the favorite you know it please yeah. leave me alone 
Um, so uh, they're they're talking about, um, and then there's also just um, somebody just uh, suspended above the table. Yeah, uh, the Muggle Studies her. teacher. Yeah, the Muggle Studies teacher uh, that is being tortured basically just because she was like, "Hey, uh, Muggles are okay, and maybe we shouldn't be mean to mudbloods." Or like, uh, and it's like, have all die, this, like, die. <laughs> note that in the audiobook because i've been listening to the stephen fry audiobooks and he first off he says avada kedavra avada kedavra so weird he sound it sounds almost like abracadabra but with a weird accent i don't like it and then also his voice his voice for voldemort is so freaky it's like (sighs) oh no that was bad that was a bad soundscape you just created I do not like the atmosphere we've created in, in the this studio, studio today. Uh, all right. Anyhow, um, we go into Immemorium, which is when we, we kind of get Harry uh, kind of forcing the Dursleys out of Privet Drive. Yeah. But no. for purpose. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. No, that's the next chapter. We see this chapter. We see Harry kind of working through Dumbledore's death and reading. He's like, he's packing up his stuff to leave Privet Drive. But he's also, like, dealing with, like, trauma, as usual. Um, we see him kind of dealing with with Dumbledore's death and reading through the obituaries. Um, but then the next chapter, the Dursleys departing, is when we see the Dursleys going to leave. And we learn that Uncle Vernon has just been like, ooh, I'm not going to leave. And then he unpacks everything and then repacks everything because, oh, we're not going to stay here. Um, and honestly, we get the really, really cool – not cool. Cool is the wrong word. Uh, that scene at the end of the chapter where Hestia Jones is like, he said goodbye to you. Oh, yeah. And, that slipped my mind, actually. And Aunt Petunia's like, meh, okay. And then she's crying because Dudley was like, you're not a waste of space. And she's like, my boy is so strong. He's so brave. And Harry's like, I want to punch him in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyhow, that, that could pop us onto the doorstep of the Seven Potters. Okay. Um... So they're they're all getting ready uh, for Harry's sort of transfer into the night. Um, so Moody's like, "Hey, you're getting moved to uh, Tonks's parents' house uh, for a bit, uh, while we get every, six. I think six other people just down in polyjuice potions, looking uh, like you. Which, once again, for this little mini segment inside of our other segments of things that scarred Brett when he watched the movies, <laughs> the scene of everyone slowly turning into Harry Potter made me extremely <laughs> uncomfortable. Sorry, I needed to get that off my chest. Understand. Also, like, I yet again, not funny, but like a little little bit of like a comedic piece there is when Harry's like, they're a lot more confident in my body uh, than they should be. Please put your clothes on. Don't look at me. <laughs> and then we get Ron's comment of like, I knew Ginny was lying about that tattoo. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, but we learn, of course, Snape was right, which... Adds on to the red herring, which makes his redemption arc later in this book a lot worse. It's it's it's, it's so weird. And brief tangent here. Uh, I swear we will make this short. I, I promise you. <laughs> um, but a lot of the things that Snape does uh, in it is like, oh, why would you do that if you're a double agent? But you can chalk up a lot of that up to that J.K. hasn't decided yet that he's going to be like a full-on double agent. But like, this is in the same book that it happens. Right. And like, like, <laughs> even, like reading that. Like if you read, like it's like. Oh, Snape, I trust you a lot. He, you're bringing me this information. This seems like this is going to be him trying to, like, help Harry out and tell them a different date. But it's not. And it just makes it so much more confusing when you get into it. It's like, buddy, you're a pretty 
a bad C, uh, double agent here. Right. Like, why? And, like, oh, my gosh. It makes me very frustrated. Because, like you said, actually, like, the the idea that J.K. Rowling did not know that Snape was going to be a good guy until, like, she wrote it at the very end of this book just blows my mind. Because, like, I don't care if he's a double agent. Like, I don't know. Not that I, I – it's a decent plot line. But – I it just would have been a decent plot. Right. I just resist it. I think the reason so many people resist it is because she does not give us any good things on Snape until after he's dead. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. Uh, anyhow. But we see that he's the one, first off, that curses off George's ear. Mm-hmm. George loses his ear in the in the transit to Harry's safety. Um Harry almost gets got multiple times. Hedwig gets got, which mm-hmm. is. I'm not really touched on Hedwig that much in this because it's not he's not the most important character. He's an owl. He's Harry's owl. Yeah. For those who forget, um, but it was it was like a really sad moment. Like he's just the desperation because you just see Harry like she's not dead. She can't be dead, and he just holds on to her cage for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And for those first couple of chapters, every time somebody's like, "Oh, Harry, where's Hedwig?" You just see him just like shut down. He's like, "Yeah, uh, she's." Uh, and you're like okay Harry um, and of course we see um, in their transport back to the burrow we see that, that Moody has died Monogdus Flesher dressed as Harry yeets out of there um, and Moody gets killed um, and so we see everybody just really upset by this and we we learn that oh we also learn that Tonks and Remus get married mm-hmm. despite kind of getting together at Dumbledore's funeral like a month beforehand. This is one of those shotgun weddings Molly Weasley was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then we see, of course, in when we get into Ghoul's Pajamas, we see that Ron, like, Ron and Hermione are prepared to go off with Harry to hunt Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron has kind of charmed the family ghoul into looking vaguely like him, but gave him, like, wizarding black plague (laughs) yeah it was that was a weird bit right and then we see also that hermione has obliviated her parents and moved them to australia which is like that's something we'll touch on yeah later but like yeah maybe next week maybe this episode also like that's a long move just move them like a city over maybe also, that's dark. It's, no, it is very dark. I don't want to miss like, that. But like, Australia is a long way away. Seventeen-year-old Hermione. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, but we see that they've been prepared mm-hmm. to to do this, and of course, we see um, as Harry as Harry's birthday comes around, um, we are led into the chapter on the will of Albus Dumbledore, um, in which first off, Harry's birthday is just. You know, he's like, Miss Weasley, please don't do anything crazy for my birthday. She's like, okay. And then, like, kind of forgets it at first. I believe he's like reminded. He's like, oh, shoot, it's my birthday. Right. And then he's like, please don't do anything dramatic. And Mrs. Weasley's like, I won't. And then does, like, makes him an entire snitch cake, which is just precious. Um, And we see um, Mrs. Weasley has given, Mrs. Weasley and Mr. Weasley have given Harry a watch as it's like tradition in you know in mm-hmm. wizarding families and i just think it's very sweet because it's the first kind of family heirloom harry is ever given it's just it's just wholesome um and we see of course jenny's gift is is a kiss to remember her by as he travels the world and whatnot <laughs> um and iran gets mad he's like you guys broke up 
And then now you're going to mentally like put her through mental gymnastics. I was like, kudos to Ron for being like a decent brother. Yeah. But because uh, like I would have done that with my, like if somebody did that to my sister, I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. However, of course, we Harry's like, she did it. I didn't do anything. But he gets very like lovesick yeah. puppy for most of the chapter um, to the point that we see. Uh, the Minister for Magic rolls in with his will of Albus Dumbledore and is like, hi, here's the things Dumbledore has left you. Why? Um, we see, of course, that Hermione has been given a copy of Beetle and Bard, which is basically just wizarding fairy, fairy, fairy tales, uh, fairy tales, which are wrote in ancient runes. Um, we see that he is given Ron a deluminator, which turns the lights on and off, basically. Um, and we see that he is given Harry the snitch. And the Sword of yeah. Gryffindor. Um, from, well, Harry snitched from his very first Quidditch game. Yes. Uh, we also get a little bit of like Quidditch lore there. That I didn't. I don't think it's ever mentioned before that the snitch technically of every game is brand new, mm-hmm. um, as not to show favoritism between seekers, which is like fun. It but. is. It is nice that they drop this in. Like something about she can't go a single book without talking about Quidditch, this fun sport that she came up with. So I did like this <laughs> trivia. But. Right. Um, and of course, the entire time they've been at the bro, they are preparing for the wedding of Bill and Fleur. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, after last book, Molly Weasley has gotten over her gross, her gross like mental block to Fleur. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see just everybody just running around like crazy trying to prepare for the Delaclores to show up and for the wedding to happen. And it's just so sweet. Their wedding is adorable. Um, because we get to see, obviously, just, like, how happy they are together, which is just so cute. Just makes my heart happy. And we see, obviously, Ron gets jealous because Victor Crumb shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, come on, Hermione, let's go dance. And Hermione's like, okay, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then we get a little bit of exposition about Dumbledore through um, Do- the, the doged guy who wrote the obituary couldn't mm-hmm. remember the word for that um we we get a little bit of dumbledore exposition through doge um after his like harry kind of talks to him about the obituary he wrote for dumbledore and we see ron's aunt mural sits down and she's like ah dumbledore wasn't great you know who told me that rita skeeter also i remember dumbledore as a kid he wasn't the best and harry's like oh, my memory of dumbledore has been tainted oh no was he not a good person <laughs> I might just have to name my second child after him. <laughs> if only if only there was a cool podcast I could listen to that talked about how Dumbledore wasn't a great person. <laughs> if only there was multiple hate accounts made by this one random girl <laughs> post-production of this book that hates Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> anyhow, and of course we see at the end of Bill and Fleur's just absolutely beautiful wedding, um, the ministry has fallen and Death Eaters are starting to arrive. Mm-hmm. Harry, Ron, and Hermione immediately disapparate out of there and drop themselves into muggle london where they kind of roam around would you like to take over from here i keep rambling <laughs> no it's fine um no i won't that... take over get wrecked <laughs> that's is that is the this... a place to hide okay cool sorry I was, I was trying to make sure i was on the right chapter i didn't right. want to read a chapter behind um so they they all sort of they get ready they've dropped themselves down in london and they're like uh what do we do what should we go so they decided like just uh, pop by a cafe uh, and start planning uh, planning it out. But just like most of these things in this book, there's not really a, a non-action-packed moment. So somebody pops, uh, two people, uh, Death Eaters pop in while they're talking about what they should do, and they start dueling inside of this sort of muggle cafe. 
they uh, they managed to get out of it fairly okay, but mm-hmm. they're still a little uh, torn up over it. Uh, and then they decide to go to um, Siri- the house that Sirius left him uh, and figure that it's like a, a safer place than just, mm-hmm. you know, a random Tim Hortons in life. <laughs> Instead of popping into the old Tim Hortons, they decided to <laughs> pop into old Dead Series' house. Um, but yeah. So then uh, uh, they, they're sort of walking around there. Uh, they, uh, lo- they look and see that there's been people there. Um, and then they, Harry also feels like his scar starts to hurt a little bit. Uh, and his, the first day of Sex Machina starts working here. <laughs> right. Uh, he feels that uh, Voldemort's super angry. Uh, and that this connection starting to open up again after it had sort of been closed before. Uh, and then uh, Ron, uh, Ron's, uh, Ron's per, uh, uh, sorry, yeah. Arthur's Patronus uh, shows up. And I was like, hey, uh, we're good. Uh, but uh, after like the whole fiasco at the wedding, however, uh, we were being watched. So watch out for that. And then Harry once again feels in a scar that so, uh, someone's like, a Death Eater is close by. And I think this is the chapter two where we get... Harry has the epiphany of who R.A.B. is. Oh, And it yes. is, in fact, Sirius's brother. Um, also, we get the really, really cute little scene where Harry finds the letter from his mom, and he realizes they write their Gs the same way, which is just so sweet. Um, but we we get, he, like, he kind of, he's just like, oh, my gosh, that's R.A.B., Regulus. Oh, my gosh. And, and we get him talking to Creature about it. He's like, just tell me what happened, Creature. And we see just, like, Creature obviously just starts panicking. He's like, you know, he was my favorite master. He was, you know, he um, he used me. He, he let Voldemort use me to, like, make sure that the security charms worked on the island. Um, and then he made me go home after watching him die, which is, like, so upsetting for Creature. We kind of learn why Creature's so bitter and hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harry then was like, I'm so sorry, Creature. Here's the locket he sacrificed his life for. And Creature just flips his mood. He's like, oh, thank you. And he just automatically just goes to a different character, really. Mm-hmm. He, he That gets into a different kind of thing. But it's very it's a very sweet moment between it Harry and Creature. If you ignore the fact that it's very messed up. Yeah. But um, the next chapter, of course, is we get the bribe. Uh, which is when my opinion of Remus Lupin changes. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I wanted to try to defend it somehow. I can't, I can't. really. Yeah. Um, because, okay, so we see after they realize, after after Creature's story, uh, kind of Lupin pops in. It's been like a couple weeks of them being at Grumbled Place. Mm-hmm. Also, there's Death Eaters just vibing outside of oh, Grumbled Place. Yes. Um, and But we see Remus comes in and he's like, hi, let me go with you. And Harry's like, no, because you have a wife. And he's like, oh, by the way, Tonks is pregnant, so I also have a child. And Harry's like, you're a coward. How dare you? And then Remus yells at Harry for calling him a coward, curses him, and storms out. And then Ron and Hermione get mad at Harry for calling Remus a coward. And they get all huffy at him. However, I think Harry was in the right, and we will touch on that later. Yeah, like, I (laughs) I don't think coward is the right word. But I definitely think he was trying to run away from the things in his life rather than Voldemort. Right. And, of course, we see that, that he, um, he – Lupin did leave a copy of the Daily Prophet, which is where we learn Severus Snape is now the headmaster of Hogwarts, yeah. which really doesn't set well with them. Um, but then, kind of in the next chapter, Hermione realizes there is the, the portrait of the old headmaster – 
in Grebold Place. So she snatches the portrait and takes it with her. Um, and they kind of, we see multiple times her interrogate the portrait about random things that are happening. Um, and we also learn a little bit later that, that Neville, Luna, and Ginny broke into Snape's office to steal the sword of Gryffindor. She's like, look at them go, resisting, <laughs> you know, resisting authority. Um, but then we kind of see them start, they are going to like kind of scope out the Ministry of Magic because they realize, first off, Mundungus Fletcher stole the actual locket. Um, and he sold it, or traded it rather for his freedom to Dolores Umbridge because we gotta have had to bring her back I guess (laughs) woo um but we see them kind of like taking turns like skyping out the the ministry for magic um so they can kind of break in and take the locket from from Umbridge uh which obviously does not go how they planned it would because when does it ever go how they plan (laughs) Um, they do find Umbridge, who has been interrogating Muggleborns in an attempt, because in, in the mind, in the little rat brain of the Ministry, they have decided that Muggleborns aren't real. They have stolen their magic. Yeah, which is such a such a strange take. How like, does that work? <laughs> y'all, you've been here for like a while. Like you should know that this is not how that works. Like it's just a little. That's gross. <laughs> but we do see that, um, obviously, they end up finding Umbridge as they're all disguised as random people throughout the ministry. Um, and it just happens, the guy that Ron is distra- dis- disguised as, his wife is a muggle-born, and she's being interrogated by Umbridge. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we see Harry is like, she is going to imprison this woman. There are just, they. he walks into the courtroom, and there are just hordes of dementors floating around, and so Harry, of course, stuns Umbridge, stuns Yaxley, who is just vibing there as mm-hmm. well. Him, Ron, Hermione, and all of the mug- un- like Muggleborns going to get registered break out of the ministry and take off. Um, and they end up with a locket. Uh, but then they they kind of disappear to the woods mm-hmm. to start start the camping. <laughs> I'd also like to interject that uh, a scene that I I thought was. It, it put, I know that we already know that Umbridge is, is bad. An, a bad person, but there was something specifically that when they were in uh, Umbridge's office that I thought was nasty. Uh, Moody's eye, like his 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 magic, oh. I guess magic eye. She just had it there on her door. On her door. She was using it for security. That, I forgot about that. Like that is literally like the magical equivalent of like a Viking putting the head of his enemy on a stake. Like. Right. That was so messed up. I, I don't know. Uh, I like. I I will pretend I'm the biggest like Mad Eye Moody stan out there or anything. <laughs> but like, it was at least like, dang, he was kind of cool when he wasn't Barty Crouch. Like, right. Also, like that's just so. That means the Ministry found his body, and Umbridge went. Mm, I want that magical eye. I'm gonna put it on my door. Yeah, like. Don't you think you would at least, like, investigate it a little bit? Like, there's got to be some sort of protocol. (laughs) At the very least, wash it. Right. (laughs) It didn't get washed. It didn't. It's got blood and guts on it, and it's just... How do you think it got stuck to the door? Disgusting. Sorry. Okay, (laughs) continue. Anyhow, so in the camping, uh, in their their lovely camping scene, we see, of course, Hermione has every protection charm ready. They have one of those nice little lovely extendable tents that we got in in Goblet of Fire. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and Harry buries Moody's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get a little little in the know with the fact that there are Muggleborns who have just ran away. Yeah. They've just went into hiding. Um, specifically, Tonks's dad, Ted, and Dean Thomas, who was Harry and Ron's dorm mate. Um, they're both on the run from the ministry. Um, and we get a little bit of exposition with them and the goblins where they're like, oh, yeah, here's why we ran away. Um, and we get a little bit of conversation about Harry. And, you know, they're like, oh, do you think Harry was the one who killed Dumbledore? And Dean Thomas was like, absolutely not. He did not, in fact, kill Dumbledore. Like, he, I know Harry. Um, and kind of Ted does the same thing. He's like, no, I knew Harry. Um, and I think he is the chosen one. I think the prophet is stupid. Um, and then that's when we learned that the Quibbler has been posting very pro-Harry content. Um, which makes sense because Luna Lovegood's dad runs it, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know. um, I think that's also the chapter where Ron has his freak out. Uh, that was the chapter before, or not. No, I, it is this chapter. Yeah. Um, like the Goblin's Luna. Revenge is the chapter where Ron throws his little hissy fit uh, while wearing the locket, and he's like, y'all hate me, y'all have been talking about me, um, I hate it here, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and Hermione's like, don't do that. And he's like, psych, I'm out, and then leaves. <laughs> gone for a bit um and then of course we see harry harry kind of just helps keep hermione stable good yeah right um but then they decide that they're going to go to godric's hollow harry just wants to go to godric's hollow he has learned that dumbledore grew up there he learned obviously he knows that where he was raised mm-hmm. air quotes around raised for a year and a half but yeah. and he just wants to go. He also wants to talk to to the author of Magic History, right? Yeah, I think so. Bell or Bertha 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 Bagshaw, whatever her uh, name I is. Don't remember. Whatever her name is. Snake. They go to the <laughs> snake. That's 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 what I remember. <laughs> um, but they they disappear. They you know Hermione and Harry disguised as Muggles. Harry and Hermione disguised as Muggles vanish off to Godric's Hollow to visit Harry Harry's parents' grave. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, we see that magical little rune that they can't figure out what it means um, on one of the graves. Um, and, of course, they end up at, at Harry's parents' graves. And Harry has this, like, kind of an existential crisis, really. Harry's like, I don't think they'll ever realize how close they are to me right now. I wish I was six feet under. And you're like, Harry, Whoa, buddy, Harry. you need a therapist. <laughs> yeah, but we have a word for that, and it's it's not a good one. You know what we haven't tried? therapy <laughs> no it's a spell we haven't tried <laughs> um anyhow yeah. in godric's hollow they run into miscellaneous author woman mm-hmm. who also had a lot to say about dumbledore so they're like hi we would like to question you except she doesn't say anything to them she's just like nods mm-hmm. um at first you think she's just an elderly person who is just you know cognitively not there yeah uh, however we learn she isn't cognitively there because she's voldemort snake listen <laughs> listen can, can we get real with you guys for a second i don't get it either this is kind of <laughs> one of those fun things where you're like maybe it was a maybe voldemort's really into tailoring like he had to pick up a hobby and he like made this cool suit for i don't know how it works I don't know how it worked, and I don't remember at all how because See, the, it was the, it was all, it wasn't an animagus or anything because the suit was laying there. They, it was I just weird. imagine Voldemort sewing a skin suit in the Malfoy's like, yeah. manner, just like, like, 
like Lucius walks in, he's like, Lord, and he's like, Leave me alone, Lucius. I have to finish my project. And it's like, nee, 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 nee. Now, Nagini, <laughs> can you come here? I need those measurements again. Because, <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. I imagine it like the infery, like the like reanimated thing. Oh, okay. But then that, that still doesn't make sense of why her like saggy carcass was left on the floor. Yeah, I don't know. It, Anyhow, it so, was cool. It was a cool scene and it creeped me out again. And that was part of the movies that freaked out like 12 year old Haley. I'm just book alone. I was like, that's, that's messed Whack. up. <laughs> um, of course, that is when Voldemort is like, ha ha ha, I've got him. And then Hermione, uh, in a, with an unconscious Harry, disapparates out of Godric's hollow. And Harry wakes up. Plan for that more. The Voldemort <laughs> keeps forgetting it exists. <laughs> and, and so. Harry and Hermione are, you know, Harry wakes up and he's like, what happened? And she's like, you've been out for a hot second. Uh, Voldemort tried to show up. We got out of there. The snake bit you. I healed you. However, your wand is in half. And he's like, uh, okay. Um, I guess that's fine. Um, so Harry and Hermione start taking their watches again like normal. And they're just alternating Hermione's wand. wand. So then... Harry is doing his nightly watch, you know, minding his own business. And he sees a bright, shiny, white deer. And Harry went, hmm, I'm going to follow that deer. (laughs) And he followed that deer to the bottom of a lake. Harry then proceeds to strip everything but the locket and dive into the water after what he learns is Godric Gryffindor's sword. Uh, Problem. The locket tries to drown Harry. Solution. Ron Weasley. Yeah. <laughs> Back in better than ever. Back in okay as ever. Yeah. Ron is there. Um, we see him save Harry. Uh, Harry opens the locket using parcel tongue, and we see the creepy shadow figure, like the creepy conversations of, yeah. of ghost Hermione and ghost Harry basically being like, no one will ever love you. Yeah, we're, we're in love, Ron. You can't do anything. <laughs> and then Ron's like, Nah. Ron's like, I'm sad. <laughs> um, and he and he destroys the locket with the sword. Um, then he gets to trap back into the into the tent, and Harry's like, Hey Hermione, guess who I found? And Hermione's like, Why are you wet? And then in walks Ron, who was soggy, <laughs> and she goes, I hate you, slaps him, and then just ignores him for the rest of the time being, really. Not a not an unreasonable thing to do. A very valid reaction. Um, but then we see um, Hermione starting to really think on things. Obviously, after after Ron comes back, uh, Ron has just a bunch of extra ones. We learn that Ron did not actually go home to the burrow. Mm-hmm. He has just been kind of on the run. Um, and he got caught by Snatchers, who are just like these very stupid like henchmen of the Voldemort, kind of, um, who are just tracking everybody. We see Ron react very negatively when they're trying to use Voldemort's name. He's like, don't do it. Stop using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learn it's because it's been tabooed, which makes sense. Then you have that little epiphany. That's why the Death Eaters knew where to go in Muggle London. That's new. That's why they were camping outside of Grimmauld Place, because they couldn't see Grimmauld Place. However, they knew somebody said Voldemort's name in that area. Um, and, of course, um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, then they, they decide they're going to go talk to Luna's father. Xenophilius? Yeah, we'll go with that. Um... And he's just a very odd man, which they already knew he was an odd man. Um, but at Bill and Fleur's wedding, they had seen him with the little Deathly Hallow symbol, which we learn is actually a Deathly Hallow symbol. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's the same symbol that's been in the book that Dumbledore left them and on the grave in Godric's Hollow. So they're like, let's go see him. So they vanish off to go see him. Turns out the Death Eaters have kidnapped Luna because uh, Mr. Lovegood has been running all that pro-Harry content. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kidnapped Luna, will not give her back. Uh, so when he ends up with Harry Potter in his house, after giving him enough explanation to satisfy their needs, uh, he calls the Death Eaters on him and destroys his own house. Because that was a thing that was important for him <laughs> right. to do. Right, and we see him lying to the to the trio about where Luna is. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh my gosh, where's Luna? We kind of want to see her. And he's like, oh, she's down at the creek fishing. And they're like, okay. But then Harry wanders up to her room and sees the very beautiful portraits that she's painted of the three of them and of Neville and Ginny. It just has like a bunch of little little friends root around it. And you're like, oh, that's sweet. Uh, Harry's like, man, I just adore her. Look at her go. Um, and then he realizes that her room is very dusty and it looks like it has not been slept in since September. And he goes, hey, Mr. Lovegood, where's your daughter? And Mr. Lovegood goes, ha ha, those are Death Eaters. <laughs> Get wrecked. Um, so then uh, Ron, under the invisibility, invisibility cloak, Hermione and Harry uh, let the Death Eaters get a glimpse of them, and then they vanish. Uh, Hermione starts freaking out because, obviously, she was the one who suggested they go talk to Lovegood. Mm-hmm. And it's her fault. And they're like, no, you're fine. It's okay. Um, but we do get enough explanation to learn that there are these three brothers who were gifted by death uh, for beating him originally. Um, yeah, just it was kind of. Like a tall tale, like a kid's yeah, it, story. Yeah, it was like a fun kid's tale. Uh, and it was like, oh, you, if you don't want to die now, you get to, uh, I get to, I'll give you one gift, and you can see if you can outlive me. Uh, and both of the brothers end up sort of getting killed early because of these powerful gifts, except for the guy who hides the entire time. Which, for supposed to be, for being the brother that was supposed to be the most Gryffindor-like, he did in fact just hide. Right. So like that didn't seem too Gryffindory. That didn't seem too brave, but I don't know. Maybe maybe JK meant something by that. Right. We can talk about that later. But um but so then we of course see so Harry starts fixating on the Deathly Hallows. He's mm-hmm. like, it makes sense. My cloak, the dude that was dead in in the ho- you know, in Griff- in Godric's Hollow. Um the wand and the stone that's in this snitch. Hear it? Um, shake, shake, shake. shake. Uh, that's when we also get to hear the first episode of Potter Watch, mm-hmm. um, which is where we learn that just a bunch of pro Harry people have all, you know, they all just hop on the radio and talk about what's actually happening. They report deaths. We learned that the character we were just introduced at, uh, introduced to of Ted Tonks got got. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's presumed that Dean Thomas might be dead. Um, we learned that. You know, obviously they're terrorizing more muggle families now, like the Death Eaters are. Um, and we get to hear just some of those voices of the people that we that Harry, Ron, and Hermione have not had contact with in so long. Um, we hear Lupin, who is just like, listen, trust your instincts, Harry. If you're listening, just trust your instincts. You've got this. And Harry's like, he forgave me. Um, <laughs> and then we hear, of course, we hear Fred. And um, Lee Jordan is narrating this, which is, like, full circle, <laughs> I guess. Um, and so as they're talking about the Deathly Hallows, Harry says Voldemort's name. And that is when the Snatchers roll in and they're like, get wrecked. Yeah. 
Um, so, of course, they're like, ooh, what's your name? And Harry's like, not Harry Potter. <laughs> um, and Hermione, you know, obviously they figure out who they all are because Hermione does look a lot like her wanted poster. That's fair. Um, and they, they see that Dean Thomas isn't dead, which is, like, nice. <laughs> and they get thrown into the Malfoy Manor, which is where we see... Draco Malfoy, you know, Narcissa's like, hey, Draco, is that Harry? And he's like, uh, I'm not for positive. That that might or might not be Harry Potter. I couldn't tell you. Oh, sorry. That was, that's another thing I just wanted to mention. The reason that they aren't quite sure it's Harry is because oh, yeah. Hermione uses a spell on him to make his face super red and swollen, Um, which I know I talk about a lot about the Lego games in this, but it's my <laughs> favorite scene in all of any Lego game ever because they replace, when she does that, they replace his head with just like a one-by-one red stud with a, with a Harry Potter face on it. And it's super funny to me every time I see it and you can like play as an unlockable version of that. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I got my two cents on that. It's it's funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so Nar- Narcissa uh, is like, uh, I'm not sure that's Terry. I'm, I'm not sure that Terry can't can't really tell you. Hey, are you? Uh, is my son okay? <laughs> no, no, that's oh, the that, end. That's, that's the end. Sorry. No, because they have Draco do that. They have Draco like, You're hey, right. Draco, is this Harry? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Is it Harry Potter? You're right. Um, Sorry, course, I jumped. I jumped my head. Of course, then they they realize. Um, we see this is where we get Bellatrix torturing Hermione. Mm, yes. Uh, to really hop on that J.K. Rowling loves to just torture her characters. I guess. Yeah. Um, we see her torture. Bellatrix tortures Hermione. Um, Ron starts freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Wormtail. You know, he's like, hey, go shut them up. Wormtail gets got by his own hand. Understandably. Oh, Luna's also at Malfoy Manor. I think mm. it's important to know. And so um, kind of when, when the torturing of Hermione hits a peak after Wormtail's death, everybody that's in the cellar walks up the stairs. And here's Dobby. Dobby's like, aha, uh-huh, I will help you. They snatch Hermione, and they go to disapparate to the shell cottage, which we realize is Bill and Fleur's home. And, of course, Dobby gets got, because why not? Mm-hmm. It is a cool scene, though. It is a cool scene. They just, they, she, like, tosses the knife through as they disapparate. Like, kudos to Bellatrix. She's, that was, like, they describe, uh, like, like apparition like that like uh being able to disapparate like as like near instantaneous like her reaction time on that w- must have been like like literally like gunshot quick right also the fact she had a knife not her wand yeah you're like ooh, that's spicy yeah like i know that bellatrix is like whoo like crazy yeah it like pretty much like a sociopath but also the fact that she's not fully relying on magic makes her one of the most competent wizards there are <laughs> one of the most competent death eaters yeah for doing literally bare minimum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and then, of course, we, we get to the chapter about the wand maker, where Harry, Ron, and Hermione, as well as the other escapees, are vibing at Bill and Fleur's home at Shell Cottage. And, yeah, so that's, we get them burying. Obviously, they buried Dobby. And we learn that, yes, Harry and Voldemort's wands are connected, and Ollivander, who somehow survived the entirety of Voldemort's torture I for some reason. Yeah. Voldemort killed the other one, like the the German wand maker. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Wing, Wendell? I don't know. Wendell something, I think. Wendell, <laughs> Wendell something or another. Um, But he, he, tor- he just tortures Ollivander. He's like, you can live, I guess. Which I, is just... I think the, re- the reasoning that they gave was that 
he's able to do repairs and that mm. it would be like foolish to like kill him outright right and then and we see that harry has uh, at the the whole skirmish at the draco at the uh, draco <laughs> at the malfoy manor we learn that harry of course dis- disarms draco mm-hmm. which comes into play later um which is a little fun little tidbit there do you want to go ahead and pick up with shell cottage uh yeah that's fine um, so in Shell Cottage, uh, they they decide that they're gonna try to uh, break into uh, Gringotts Vault uh, with Polychute potions and the help of a uh, one of the uh, goblins in Gringotts. His name's Gripbuck. Mm-hmm. Yes, Gripbuck. He was also trapped in Malfoy Manor. Yes, he was also okay. Um, so he uh, so he he's like, hey, I'll help you, but you got to give me the sort of Gryffindor. Uh, and Harry's like, uh, probably won't do that, but sure, we'll make a deal and sort of lie to him about that. Um, and also, Lupin shows up at the cottage and is like, hey, Knooks, uh Tonks had a baby. Uh, Harry, do you want to be the godfather? <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, sure. That sure. Cool. Uh, I I, I, I hope you, I hope I don't have to do anything with that. Fully father the kid. Yeah. Let's, let's see how this goes. Um, and so they're getting ready to go to Gringotts. Uh, but before they fully go, uh, Bill pulls uh, Harry aside and is like, hey, uh, be- <laughs> we'll talk about this one more. He's like, Hey, Harry, be careful of goblins. They're uh, deeply distrustful of wizards, and they're, they're, they they can really be greedy and conniving. And it's like, okay, Bill, J- that's weird. <laughs> you sound a lot like J.K. Rowling here, Bill. Yeah, uh, basically he's just like, hey, uh, be, be wary. Griphook may betray you in order to just get the sword which for himself. Which he does. Yeah, which he does. Um, and they escape on the dragon. Yeah. After finding Hufflepuff's cup, which <laughs> that's a fun thing to say. Hufflepuff's cup. I like it. It is. It is enjoyable. Um, but then, of course, we see they they snatch the cup and they take off. Uh, on you know Hufflepuff's cup like multiplies and almost kills them, which is like fun and spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, then they escape on the dragon that's basically been tortured in Gringotts, uh, fly off, and yeah. I think that that's pretty much the extent of that chapter. Yeah, basically. That basically sums it up. And then they decide, you know what? It's time. It's time to go back to Hogwarts. So they they apparate to Hogsmeade, uh, where they set off a like, charm that just is basically like screeching, which alerts everybody that there are intruders in the village. Mm-hmm. Aberforth, Dumbledore's brother, who owns the Hogshead, <laughs> Is like, hey, come on, I got you. I'll help you out here. I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. I've been here the whole time. I've had these funny Groucho Marx glasses on. You haven't been able to recognize me. Um, <laughs> um, and we learned that he has the piece of Sirius's mirror that Harry had seen the blue eye, in, mm-hmm. which we did. We totally neglected because it's not super important. Yeah. I mean, um, but we learned that there is right. We learned that there is a a tunnel between Hogshead and Hogwarts. Uh, that the Room of Requirements has made to help the students who are hiding from being tortured <laughs> um, by the professors in Snape. <laughs> um, specifically, Neville, Luna, and Ginny have like kind of taken charge. Uh, they have reformed Dumbledore's army in hopes of protecting the people who need it the most. And um, we see that Neville is just like beaten and bloody, just constantly. He's like, yeah, I get tortured like every other day, but it's fine. I'm fine. I care more about the other students. Um, and like I said, so we just see kind of like this defiance that has been running through the students who oppose the, the teachings of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. We learn that the students are being taught 
the dark curses, that they're being ta- taught dark magic, um, that they're really being ingrained with very muggle negative mindsets obviously snape's the headmaster and two death eaters are the muggle studies and the defense against the dark arts teachers so like Mm -hmm. makes sense it's it's very reminiscent of when uh umbridge was in charge it is sort of gone full like authoritarian in inside of hogwarts again right and we learn that harry thinks that the last he knows that the last horcrux he needs to find has something to do with Ravenclaw. Because mm-hmm. every, every other house has had something. Right. And then Luna was like, oh, how about I take you to the Ravenclaw Tower? And we get to see the Ravenclaw to common room. Yeah. He's like, that thing on that statue. And Luna was like, hey, go talk to the Grey Lady. She can help you out. <laughs> Grey Lady, daughter of Ra- the original Ravenclaw, um, is like, yeah, I lost it. And then, But this boy asked me for where to find it. And I let him know where to find it. And then he turned it into dark magic. And you're like, okay, that's Voldemort. Cool. <laughs> and Harry's like, all right, now I got to go find it. Yeah, now I got to go find the, the diadem, which is just a fancy word for tiara. tiara. Um, and so we see, of course, in that time, Ron had vanished down to... No, no, no. This is where, of course, they see that Harry is back mm-hmm. in the castle. And they're like, oh. And they're like, oh, no. Um, and that is when the be- the battle begins. Um, we see McGonagall kind of duel Snape, right? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, it, it was, yeah. Like, McGonagall kind of is like, listen, you had, like, prefix, I want you to get all underage students out of the castle, get them to safety. Um, and we see, and a little bit of negative perception of the Slytherins. They they kind of kick all Slytherins out of the building. Really? They're like, hey, get them all out of here. Mm-hmm. Mm, we can touch into that if, if it's J.K. Rowling's grossness and like... Right. Anyhow, gray area. Um, but we see that she's like, listen, get them all out of here. If you're of age, you can fight. Mm-hmm. Which we learn a lot of people just sneak back and fight anyway. Because um, technically, Jenny should not have been fighting, but that's oh, yeah, a whole no, no, no. different... Um, so as the battle begins... Uh, Harry is like, I need to go to the room of requirements. That is where I'm going to find the diadem. I have seen it there before when I hid the potions book. Um, so Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Actually, Ron and Hermione, while Harry's doing his old, like, discovering the diadem, they went down to the Chamber of Secrets. Ron, using the very patchy parcel tongue he knows, opens it up. And they go collect all of the basilisk, basilisk things. And they're like, oh. like, Sorry. No, go. Uh, I, I really like that they did, in fact, be like, people. some people are born able to do this, but it is a language you can learn. Right. And I like it that, like, Ron actually, like, took, took you know, some interest in, like, oh, you can speak this language. I, I want to, like, sort of learn that from you. And I, I heard I, you say open twice. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And then, of course, we see, you know, he's like, ah, so we can, you know, destroy horcruxes. And Hermione's like, it was his idea. He's a genius. <laughs> And we're like, okay, all right, Hermione, calm down. Um, and then Ron's like, oh my gosh, we nobody, we forgot people. And Hermione's like, what do you mean? She's like, he's like, you forgot the house elves. We have to get them out of here. And Hermione just like starts making out with Ron in the middle of the battle. And Harry's just like, guys, bloody hell. <laughs> he's like, <clears throat> hey guys, could we not do this now? <laughs> and so then they they disappear off to the room of requirements um, to try to find the diadem. And they get in there. Of course, they, they have Ginny and the handful of people that are in there, which includes Tonks and Neville's grandmother. Um, and they're like, hey, everybody else is outside fighting. You guys can come back in here. We just have to go in here to find. Mm-hmm. 
And they're like, okay, well, Tonks is like, have you seen Remus? And Harry's like, wait, you have a child at home. What are you doing here? She's like, I'm going to go find Remus. And then vanishes. And then, of course, we see Neville's grandmother do a very similar thing. She's just like, I'm going to go find Neville. I'm going to go fight with him. See y'all later. Um, and Jenny's like, I'm going to go fight anyway. I was only in here comforting the younger students. And so Jenny kind of goes out and starts fighting. They go in. Harry, you know, they all split up to find him. And then enrolls Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle because <laughs> why not? Um, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And Harry's like, nothing. <laughs> nothing that you that you need to know about. And then we see. What are you doing? What are you doing? Of course, uh, Crab being the absolute idiot he is, uh, uses dark magic to conjure a fire, which destroys the entire room of requirements, which almost kills everybody, but does kill Goyle. I think I got those right. One of the one of the two Malfoy sidekicks dies. One of them caused it. To to be honest, I can't remember. I think you they are the same right character. Yeah, they are the same character. <laughs> they are in the same character in different flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, we see that this dark this dark fire uh, actually killed the diadem. So woo, Horcrux down. Um, Which like you wouldn't you would have thought that Voldemort or not uh, sorry you would have thought that Dumbledore would have told Harry it can also be broken by this cool this cool fire spell like well but we learn we learn that the reason they never use it is because it's uncontrollable oh you're right because Hermione's like I I knew that it you know destroyed Horcruxes however I never did it I was afraid it would like you know end our lives yeah. <laughs> like it almost did um, but then of course. They go off to start. They see the Death Eaters have penetrated the penetrated the the castle. They are the fight is now indoors, and we get a glimpse of Percy and Fred dueling together, specifically against the Minister for Magic. And we get the one joke Percy Weasley has cracked the entire series that kills Fred Weasley. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't, but it does. It kind of does. Um, and as the battle continues. You know, Voldemort in his magical overhead speaker <laughs> is like, hi, uh, you have one hour, Harry Potter. Show up, tank tank. Um, we'll give you some time to collect your dead. And of course, then that's when we learn. Of course, like I said, like Fred's dead. I said that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those two words are too similar. Um, and then we also see that Tonks and Lupin are dead because Harry now is going to raise their child, which is like, the worst anyhow <laughs> now i will say i voldemort's supposed to be like the pure evil character there's zero redemption for him i it's, it was kind of strange like I, I completely forgot that he literally was like i'm gonna give you time to collect your dead I really like i know i know that it was like it was supposed to be like a call out of like hey just give anyone even if it's not harry give us harry i'll give you 24 hours but it really was like weird that he wouldn't just like be like a bring him him as soon as possible like he gave some leniency here and i think the only reason he did that was he was he was so eager to fight harry on an even ground he didn't want a single excuse in the book to be like because he had failed once before and that that already kind of tarnished his reputation as like an evil guy he didn't want there to be a single excuse in the book for anyone opposing him that he took down harry potter fair and square it wasn't because he was fully grieving and wasn't in the right headspace he wanted to have time and power right. over him i read it as an arrogance like he was like yeah, well, harry potter will come to me because i know how he is and that'll be his downfall um 
Which, I mean, kind of is. It's correct. Here's what happened. And Harry is like, cool. I'm going to do that. But before, uh, we see Voldemort kill Snape, mm-hmm. which I forgot that all three of the trio witnessed, not just Harry. Yeah. Um, and Snape has that gross thing where he's like, here, take my memories, but just look me in the eye. So my last my last view is this of your mother's eyes, which is like, that's so messed up. It's that's really, gross. That's it would have been like, if I think if they were like, if that was like an old fling that the, those two had before, like James Potter, like here, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I think. Uh, we can talk more about this later, but I think that it was just a schoolboy crush, right? Like that was that's all. That's how it's portrayed. That's, uh, that's all it ever was. But she treats it as if like they were truly together, like in like their twenties or something. Like that's how it's like. First off, Lily Potter didn't live past twenty-one. Exactly <laughs> though, but like she portrays it like this, and it's so weird. Right. Like, and it just, it's so, it's, that whole scene just makes you uncomfortable, which we'll touch on later. Yeah. Um, so then we get Harry diving into Snape's pensive, which is, like, serves as, like, Snape's speed redemption arc. After his death, uh, we learn that Dumbledore did tell him to kill him, and we learn that, uh, James and, James and Sirius were mean to him, and, It's like, okay. Um, and We were mean to him, too. We didn't like him. Right, like, and then we learn that that Snape is, of course, after Snape tells Voldemort about, you know, the prophecy that goes for Lily, he comes back to Dumbledore crying, like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill the girl I'm in love with that will never love me back because she has a one-year-old child and a husband. Mm. Um, and Dumbledore's like, you idiot. But I guess. But you have to serve as my double agent. And then, yeah, anyhow, it's just basically trying to... It was Snape's redemption arc, which was gross. After that, Harry puts on the cloak and he goes to leave. He comes up to, to Neville. He walks past the Weasleys and past Hermione, all of them are grieving. He walks past Tonks and Lupin's dead bodies, and he keeps going. He finds Neville has been carrying just the, the dead students back into Hogwarts to lay to rest, mm-hmm. which is like another point for why I just uh, – Neville, Neville Longbottom is just uh. – Anyhow, um, and Harry's like, hey, Neville, it's me. And Neville's like, oh, gosh, hey, Harry, what's up? You're under the cloak. I can't see you, but that's fine. And he's like, listen, uh, in case Ron and Hermione are – We'll say preoccupied, but probably dead. Um, just know the last horror, the last thing I need before we can truly defeat Voldemort is for Nagini the Snake to be dead. And Neville's like, "I." Does it say less? Is really right. what he said there, like. And so Harry is like, "Cool, I'm gonna go to the woods now." Um, he opens the the snitch, mm-hmm. gets the resurrection stone, has a conversation with the younger version of Lupin and Sirius and his parents. And they're all like, hey, we're proud of you. Death is easy. You got this. Um, so then he gets killed. <laughs> um, meets Dumbledore in the afterlife. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, you can go back. You can be alive. Here's some explanation for my bad. Here's like, thanks, Dumbledore. I guess I'll go back and beat Voldemort. Um, so then we get the scene of Narcissa Malfoy just being like, she knows the boy's alive. And she's like, hi, is my son alive? And Harry's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. Hey, Voldemort, he be dead. Gone. <laughs> and Voldemort's like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, hey, Hagrid, carry him. Which I would also like to say, pure so arrogance awesome. once again. Why, like, Hag- Why not check yourself, first off? Yeah, first of all, one, why not check yourself? Two, and, like, I love Hagrid, but why keep him alive? He he deals with all these, di- like, 
terrifying beasts that could probably be sicked on you at any moment. Like it, it is really, it is truly just he has some sort of vendetta against Hagrid. He framed him one time, and now he's gonna make him carry the closest thing he's ever had to like a child. Yeah, a son. I would even say like a friend, really, right. and just like carry his dead corpse here. Like he he kept him alive just for this moment, right? And what we and we do see because Her- because Hagrid run as he's carrying Harry's air quotes around dead body um he runs into the centaurs mm-hmm. he's like you cowards fight with us we have defended you and then of course we see that they do end up coming in and yeah. fighting on their behalf so a little bit of a um but then we see you know voldemort calls out all the hogwarts students to witness the death of harry potter um and we get neville having his little little hero moment where he's like we're not gonna crumble to you and then Voldemort's like, hi, have a flaming hat on your head then, Neville. Um, and then Neville, of course, then pulls, yeets off the hat, pulls out the, the sword, decapitates the snake. Harry, under the invisibility cloak, starts dueling Voldemort and kills him. Um, but that doesn't stop the fighting. Mm-mm. The fighting continues and we see uh, that's where we get the Molly Weasley. The Molly Weasley line's in the book, right? Not my daughter, I- you bitch. No, uh, yeah, I think that's I think it, there. yeah, because I remember it from the mo- yeah, it is. I just it's all caps, which means business, <laughs> um, because we see like just multiple groups of people dueling Death Eaters, and specifically Hermione, Luna, and Ginny are dueling Bellatrix, and then Bellatrix shoots a killing curse right past Ginny's face, and then Molly's like, uh uh uh, get gone, <laughs> kills her, um, and yeah, and that's that's really it. Uh, as as the end fight settles, um, and we see the Malfoys just sitting there together, crying, um, and McGonagall as headmistress is just like, okay, we will have peace, and then the book ends, and then the epilogue, <laughs> which is basically yeah, we can quickly touch on that, which one. is really just Harry. Take you know sending his second child to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and we get like a nice little explanation of, of course, Jenny and Harry get married, and then Ron and Hermione get married, and, and they all have children, to, and nobody knows how to name a child. No, um, and then Draco has a kid who's in the same year as Harry's second child, and mm-hmm. Ron, Ron and Hermione's first child, um, and then we learn that Neville's a professor, which is like fun. Yeah. Um, and then just says his scar never hurt, hasn't hurt for nineteen years. All is well. The end. So, boom. Um, I guess we should just start crapping on the epilogue first. Yeah, okay. that's, that's the best point to jump in. First of all, James Sirius Potter. Okay. I'll give him that one. That's fine. I respect both of those. Albus Severus Potter. <laughs> Not even a middle name. It's, it's, techn- it's, it's, it's apparently Albus Severus. Uh, originally, it is written Albus Severus, like hyphenated. Is it? Uh, I believe so. That's what my copy says. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. I always read it as his middle name was was Severus. But no, I guess you're right. That's gross. Harry. Harry, no. No, I don't have it hyphenated. Oh, does yours not? No. I don't know. That's disgusting. Either, no matter what, it's bad. It's a bad name. Yeah, not only that, it's like you're setting this kid up for failure. Oh. You name him after the most like creepy professor and then also the second most creepy professor. <laughs> the two men that psychologically abused you. Yeah, abuse, manipulation. Like, they it's... were so brave. 
I need you after the bravest men I know. I will excuse Albus because I will, I Harry will, Harry's will brain will, you know, he he has this like kind of light of just mm-hmm. greatness that follows Dumbledore. And don't get me wrong, Dumbledore is a great yeah. wizard. But he's I mean, obviously us outside of the narrative be like, "Oh, that's manipulation, Harry." Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'll, yeah. I'll excuse. But Severus Oh my gosh, we can get into that when we touch on Snape's redemption arc. But, like, man psychologically abused you for years, and you're going to name your child after him? I really want Neville Longbottom waiting. Harry's like, oh, by the way, I named him Albus Severus. And then Neville just standing there like, you know what? <laughs> that man was my boggart. He was a bad teacher. And that Yeah, I just... <laughs> you know, I think that... Remus cracking his knuckles in the afterlife, like... Listen, if there was ever, if there was ever, if someone ever wrote an extra book after Harry Potter, there's none. Trust me, there's not a single <laughs> one. Um, but if everyone ever did, I feel like Neville would at least not like obviously bully because that's not the person Neville was. But Neville would rag on Albus Severus for like, hey, bud. He, I don't uh, think he would fun, rag. That's a fun little name, huh? Oh yeah, it's named after someone. Yeah, yeah, that guy bullied me until I cried every single day. <laughs> anyway, I don't think he would rag on Albus plants? Severus. I think he would go to Harry and be like, "Are you stupid?" Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Sir, but. what? <laughs> Listen. Um, and then of course we get we get Lily Luna Potter, which is like that's a good one. Um, and then Ron's Ron and Hermione's kids have normal names, Rose and Hugo. Those are normal. Yeah. Hugo's a bit outdated, but it's, a lot of the names in the Wizarding World are outdated. So it's it's better than Albus Severus. Better than Albus Severus. Um, it's better than Scorpius. <laughs> now here, I'll understand because their names are already dumb. Lucius, Narcissia. I'm sorry for all of our Lucius and Narcissias <laughs> out there. but uh, And Draco is even weird. Draco's weird. Um, but And so it, like, it fits. All of their names are weird. But for a kid named Harry, like... I don't know. It's they're they're all rough with names yeah. in the end. Um. And I okay. One thing that I do have one issue I have with the epilogue because we're not going to talk about like any of the extended material that that J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. gives us. We'll touch on that next week, I think. But um, is the, they're already setting up that Ron is still holding on to his schoolboy cr- like oh I'm a sick crush, mm. but his schoolboy grudge against Malfoy because yeah. we of course we learn that that Scorpius and Rose and Albus are all in the same year. And he's like, hey, Rose, I want you to beat him in everything. And Hermione's like, hey, let's maybe not set our child up to hate somebody before they get to know them. And Ron's like, don't get too friendly with him. I just, no. It's, They're children. Because yeah. he was like, oh, your grandpa Weasley would be ready to fight you. And you're like, that's your 11-year-old child. You're not being funny. Please stop. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. That I think that covers my grievances with the with the epilogue. It also I think we talked about this a little off mic. It puts too perfect of a bow on everything. Yeah. And I guess I would excuse it if this was the end of the Harry Potter series. If there was nothing else, no extra content, nothing. If J.K. Rowling just said, Here's my books, I'm done. And and that's it. And that's exactly I'm, how we she wish left she would have. Yeah. Um because just the, the epilogue just seems too cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but it's like, it it almost is the line in it. I know it's supposed to be like, oh, and his, his scar hasn't hurt for nineteen years, and that's it. But it also like, it's, it's ominous. It's it's ominous. It's like, you're gonna like, you couldn't have said like his scar never hurt again. Like you like you wanted to tie it up, but also like you put the line of like, 
19 years never burn again. Well, you mean like, to tell is... me that man never had a headache? Yes. You mean to tell Maybe me 35 year old Harry Potter never had a headache? <laughs> Maybe that's one of the perks of magics. God, I There's wish. No headaches. <laughs> Anyhow. He's an aura. He doesn't get auras. It's fine. I know the look of disappointment <laughs> does not convey onto the <laughs> in the audio. The silence does. <laughs> um, any. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Um, so where do we where do we want to start theme wise? Um, let's see. Do you want to get into just uh? Tell you what. Let's go into um, rumors. I feel like rumors. An easy okay, I feel like point. it's a good start. So of course, one of the main themes of this book's. Uh, this book is rumors and gossip. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that a lot. Um, specifically, obviously, in Dumbledore's life story by Rita Skeeter. Uh, Hermione's blackmail just stopped, apparently. <laughs> um, she didn't have much time. She let Rita out of her jar. <laughs> um, but so we see Rita Skeeter has wrote this expose about Albus Dumbledore, which actually tends, seems to be more true than we let on. Mm-hmm. But it does become like the shield of gossip that kind of floats around. We see a lot of, uh, specifically Aunt Muriel, kind of adds in on it. And she's like, yeah, Albus Dumbledore, he was not the best kid when he was a kid. Uh, You remember that old Grindelwald? That was his friend. And he was a mass murderer. He's in prison now. Dumbledore's father died in Azkaban. They abused their youngest sibling. And you're like, Oh my God. Okay. But this, like, these rumors kind of start affecting Harry's perception of Dumbledore. He feels very, like, left out of Dumbledore's life. Mm-hmm. It's, which is weird because, like, I, it, it was more the way that it looked like it was supposed to be was that he was, um, oh, I don't, I didn't know as much about this man that I idolized as I, as I thought I did. Uh, maybe I shouldn't hold him on such a high pedestal. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the angle that the book takes with it. Like, I, I would have understood if that's the angle that she wanted to go. But it's it's really not, especially with the, the ending scene in, like, the spiritual nine and three quarters. <laughs> right. Well, and I guess, I guess it kind of sets up that narrative of, like, don't trust the rumors you hear. Because we see Dumbledore kind of talking about the fact. He's like, yes, I was friends with Grindelwald. However, I realized my mistakes and detached myself from Grindelwald. Um, also, my sister wasn't a squib. She was, you know, abused by muggles, mm-hmm. um, which fueled my dad's rage towards them. And he kind of, like, scapegoats all the things that people have been saying about him. And it just really sets up this weird narrative mm-hmm. around rumors, which just really kick off a lot of the beginning of this book specifically. Yeah. Um, because then we have also the positive gossip about Albus Dumbledore, specifically from Doge. He's like, oh, Dumbledore was the best. We were going to hop away to all the, like, all these countries, and he was just so friendly and never, you know, never met a stranger kind of thing. And Harry's like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know any of that. Dumbledore hated me. And you're like, okay, Harry. All right. <laughs> he, was a, he was an old man. He wasn't going to share every single bit of his life story with you. Right. Um, and, uh, of course, another thing that kind of falls into this, like, rumor and gossip is Potter Watch. Mm-hmm. The, the little radio program that we get a glimpse of. And it's a little less, I wouldn't say gossip. It's definitely more, not even really rumor. It's kind of to break the rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trying to be the only truth in the mill of lies that is like the Daily Prophet mm-hmm. and then, then the Quibbler. 
um, where basically we just get all the voices of these characters that they've missed, and they're just like, hey, guys, here's who's dead. Here's what we need to do. Here's a little bit of good good vibes going your way. Also, Harry Potter, we're here for you, buddy. We got you. And, and like I said, it kind of it fits loosely into the, like, rumors and gossip, but. I just had this idea. Um, rumor is technically Ron, like Ron has this like kind of rumor filled perception of Ron, of Harry and Hermione. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I would, I would argue that that's sort of what the locket did. It was sort of just preying upon all these sort of rumors and sort of things that you were making it up. Like he was like, Oh, there might be a little bit between them. And then it was sort of just hyping it up and it's filling like, in oh, the there gaps. Is. Like, <laughs> basically, I imagine the locket, like my pre-nighttime anxiety attacks. <laughs> like, you know, like when you're laying in your bed, you're like, oh, I had a good day. And it's like, no, you didn't. You failed your exam. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I did. And it's like, also, all your friends hate you. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they do. Remember in seventh grade <laughs> where you lied about watching Game of Thrones? They knew. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's in my mind. But, like, yeah, I, I never thought of that, though. The locket was just basically a rumor mill, mm-hmm. at least the way Ron describes it it was. And, of course, when we get to see the glimpse into the locket being like, ah, Harry and I are in love, Ron. Ha, ha, ha. I'll never love you. Why would I love you? And Ron's like, mm, okay. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> um, but I guess another thing that kind of ties into this rumors and gossip storyline would be the deathly hallows yeah because they are all speculation Mm -hmm. there are a very select handful of people who believe in them and those that believe in them are very weird group of people yes um and everybody else is just like they're a tall tale there's not actually deathly hallows um but of course we get mr lovegood being like oh no no no, they're real yeah xenophilius is like oh yeah no they're they're real i also like jump up and down and act all loony but like they're real they're real and which kind of starts harry's obsession with them mm-hmm. which we touched on a little bit in our review but harry like really gets obsessed with these mm-hmm. kind of like what he was like with the horror cruxes in the beginning or like in the last book he is like yes voldemort doesn't know the secret <gasps> oh my gosh we have a leg up we are unstoppable. We know the Deathly Hallows. He does not. I will master death. I will be indestructible. And you're like, okay, Harry, calm down. Um, and and I guess this is a good place to kind of just talk about the Deathly Hallows as a whole. So we are set up with the wand, the cloak, and the stone. All three kind of represent different dynamics of a wizard, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair to say. Because you have the wand, who def- which definitely represents the power. Um, and then the stone which kind of represents like a regret, I would say. Yeah, I'd uh, regret, remorse, so- right. something along those lines. And then of course the cloak that that signifies like a humility. I don't know, stretching it there, but and we kind of see each of the characters by what they say show I mean it kind of reveals a little bit about mm-hmm. them when you know they're like, "Oh, well there's only one important deathly hallow and then all three members of the trio say a different thing and you're like, Okay, guys. <laughs> um, because, of course, like, the power of the of the wand is believed to just be this absolute, mm-hmm. you know, you are guaranteed to win every duel you have with it except for the one where you lose it. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, you can cast a Vada Kedavra, I can cast a, a Vada Kedavra, like, plus, like, premium. <laughs> 
I don't have ads when I cast spells. <laughs> this is the... <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't get the commercials in between spells. Gosh, it's so good. I don't have to hear another Birdie Bots uh, every flavor <laughs> bean commercial. I don't want to hear about it. Um, and then the the stone itself is... Uh, I don't know. How, how would we describe the stone other than just like bringing back the dead to the point that they don't want to be there anymore? Well, and I think that's how the stone is portrayed, especially in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, because the brother, the brother with the stone ends up killing himself, I believe, mm-hmm. because he is driven to insanity by the woman he brings back with the stone. But we see Harry use it as t- to kind of like tie up the loose ends he has. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, he's greeted by his parents, who he's never met before, and they're like, we're so proud of you. And it seems like they're, like, they're like actually there. Like, they're, like, mm-hmm. full people. Because they, they, it says Lily touches his face. Um, and, of course, we get a younger Sirius, and he's like, you died for me. And Sirius is like, it's okay. Dying is easy. You will be fine. And we get Lupin, and he's like, you have a child that you... He's like, my kid will know what I did. I did it, and, you know, I sacrificed myself on purpose. I was being a coward, but now, you know, he's like, I've, you know, I've owned, you know, I'm here. Um, and we see kind of them just walk with Harry to his death. So I think of the stone as, like, providing, like, almost a closure mm-hmm. for at least Harry. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it opens up this, like, remorse kind of thing. Because obviously the first guy has this like he's like ah oh, my the love of my life killed herself and I must be in contact with her, and that reminds me a lot of Severus Snape. Mm-hmm. It is that that is a parallel that I also drew there. Right. It's, it it is longing for something that he believes that if he could just snap his fingers he'd be able to remedy, but it was a lot more complex sort of emotions and variables that like didn't need to be there right being resurrected by the stone for the original love of the original brother uh she was like hey cool to see you again i don't want to be here i want to be dead because i I was dead i was not only like not only did i like want to leave this world but i am not a part of it anymore it is making me feel gross and icky uh i i just i don't want to be here and so he drives himself to suicide Snape does the very similar thing of like he was never really he was never really a love in Lily's eyes but to to him he was uh, there was nothing but Lily and when he realizes ah shoot there's not much I can do here I gotta try to make it up to uh, Lily as much as I can for like dragging this on so he does what he can to help out Harry and even though he's gross about it I do think that in his own way he was trying yeah i don't know i don't want to give the guy too much credit right um and i yeah and then of course when we get to the cloak it's kind of like what you had said it is a it's a little bit of running away from death but i think it's it's more of like admitting to yourself that you'll never truly beat death there's no need in trying to gain power or be proud of the fact you beat death do not humiliate death rather have a humility about yourself Um, there was something that I read a long time ago, which when I was reading back through the Deathly Hollows, it, it reminded me of it, that not only were, like, there's there's always, like, oh, there's three of these things. Like, three is a very important number in Harry Potter. It's, like, it crops up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the, uh, uh, but the, uh, the Deathly Hollows, like, each one represented uh, either James, uh, uh, Se- uh, sorry, James Sirius or Remus. 
Ooh. Uh, you can, and especially sort of in this final arc, whereas James was sort of like always very haughty and powerful and he used sort of the, the Elder Wand, uh, the Resurrection Stone is serious because he's always, he's still trying to hang on to James even though he's already gone. And Remus is, he's kind of trying to a little bit take the easy way out and sort of run away from things. So he is the uh, the invisibility cloak. Interesting. See, I always, I always pictured it as our kind of three main characters air quotes around that that's yeah um, I, I can see of that course as well. with the trio and specifically with with voldemort snape and harry mm-hmm. uh voldemort of course is the wand who's always taking more power than he'll ever get snape who, who does everything for a lost love and harry who just wants to stay alive mm-hmm. there i think i think that there is like like we said there are a lot of trios in this book and i think that it is they all follow similar structures uh, structures at the very least <laughs> for once jk rowling did not try to spell out everything mm-hmm. for her care for her for her readers here and and of course with the mastering death this like plot line around deathly how Hall- uh, deathly hallows with this with mastering death we learn that you have to be in the right headspace in the right timeline and the right kind of person to do it because we see dumbledore who admits to himself he's like i'm gonna be honest if i had mastered death if i had all three deathly hallows when i was you know fresh out of hogwarts in my 20s I would have been a problem. And he admits that. He's like, if I would have got a hold of those, I would have been all too powerful for myself. And I recognize that. And that's why I took a position of not super, like, superpower. Um, he's like, if Grindelwald would have got a hold of them, it would have been the same way. He's like, if, and then he tells Harry in his weird dreamscape mm-hmm. thing, where he's like, Harry, if you would have got a hold of them at the wrong time, you would have been the same way. Because we do learn that Harry is technically the master of the Deathly Hallows. He had all three of them. And so the fact that Harry masters the Deathly Hallows as he walks into his death with Dumbledore or, or against Voldemort, as he walks into his death with Voldemort, we learn that Harry has mastered them. You know, he has. He has all three. He is reckoned with greeting death. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, it, it, like I said, it's a pretty big sign of harry at the right time at the right place mastered death because even i mean i think we said this off mic i don't remember if i said this during the review or not if harry would have got a hold of all three deathly hallows there after he learns about him he would have been a problem mm-hmm. he would have walked in guns ablazing, no plan and probably got got yeah, probably beefed it because we've learned arrogance is the downfall mm-hmm. um and so yeah <laughs> That's I think that that pretty much covers our, our Deathly Hallows. Yeah, I, uh, the Deathly Hallows specifically, not the book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, not yeah. the end of the episode. <laughs> um, but I think I think this is a good place to move to the dead. Yes. So two big themes in this book is having faith in the dead and loving the dead, um, like competing with the memory of the dead as mm-hmm. well. And we see this a lot in Harry, specifically with Dumbledore in this book. And we've seen him do it a little bit in other books with with James specifically, Mm -hmm. um, where we learn that, you know, he learns that obviously James is not perfect and he struggles with that a lot. And it takes Sirius and Lupin both being like, no, James, James had his days, but he was not a bad person by any means. He grew up. And we see um, Harry kind of go through a very similar thing with Dumbledore in this book. Um, we see kind of Dumbledore's memory being tarnished by Skeeter and Harry learning a lot of things he didn't know about Dumbledore through both Skeeter and Doge. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Brain, no, gone. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, it's it's it it also ties in uh, once again with the whole themes of the resurrection stone itself. Um, it was the first time we hear about this. It drove uh, people mad. Um, and but the before this even, I would say, yeah, I believe it was yeah, it was Goblet of Fire. Uh, resurrection stone esque thing happened when the original duel between Voldemort and Harry, mm-hmm. uh, and that was sort of the the setup for. Uh, Harry coming to terms with this when Harry sort of masters this thing and uses it and talks and gets everything off his chest and sort of has closure it shows once again he's sort of like he is both remembering the dead and honoring them at the same time here and is drawing everything that needs be uh, like finally together right and we see that when he when he meets Dumbledore in the weird deathscape he just asks Dumbledore about his life over anything he asked Dumbledore, why didn't you tell me I needed to die? What was your reasoning? And Dumbledore's like, I, that's the one thing I have no excuse for, Harry. I should have told you. I am sorry. And I think that's that provides the closure that Harry has dealt so long with, with Dumbledore's death, especially in the first half of the novel. And, and we see a lot of Harry dealing with death with his parents, specifically the first time he visits Godric's Hollow. It, and this is the first time he's ever went back. And in seeing his parents' graves, he realizes not only, you know, that he'll never be able to meet them, which kind of ties back into that whole resurrection, <laughs> resurrection stone arc, um, but also that he just wishes he was dead. And you're like, oh, Harry. First off, therapy, buddy. Therapy. <laughs> uh, but also just, like, he's trying to make his parents proud. Which is, I mean, that seems to be a theme throughout most of this book, too. Or most of the series, really. If Harry's just trying to make his parents proud. He's trying to do what his parents would have done. And it's just it's so sad. Um, but then we see the gross version of this in Snape. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we see Snape going, mm, I want to... I can't use that word. <laughs> hey, I like your mom, Harry. She might be in the ground. But like, hey baby, <laughs> I I don't. I'm gonna let me who. Um, so like Snape just does that really gross thing where he is in love with Lily Potter, who is dead, and he he claims that he is doing a lot of his things in life to live up to her memory, except I except for uh constantly rat out her son for very little reason like. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you the exact day, even though you fully trust me right now, that he will be leaving instead of letting this fake rumor, like, you know, sizzle by. Right. Um, And, the, like, I'm going to rat out some of your friends and be like, hey, 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 everybody, he's a uh, – He's a um, werewolf. He's a werewolf, uh, and he's trying to be evil. Ooh. <laughs> like, you're not living up to the memory. You're acting selfish. You're acting – uh, you're acting out to the memory of Lily that you have in your head, not the one that she wanted to leave behind. And I think that's an important thing to note, too. And in this, and I guess this is the problem I have with Snape, with Harry just naming his child after Snape, is this whole, like, Snape, like I said, he's just gross anyway, but he does that thing where he's like, you know, he's like, I do it all for Lily. I have always been in love with Lily. Except it's not. It's He was obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. I really think Snape kind of did the thing that a lot of people tend to do with, with the dead. We see Harry kind of do it with Dumbledore. In which we, we twist 
our perceptions of people who have died to make them far grander than they were. And I, and like I said, I'm kind of stretching that with Snape here is like, not in the sense of like, obviously Lily was a like absolute amazing character, but Snape twists it to like, oh, if I just, you know, if I could have protected her, she would have loved me and yeah, whatever. And he's like, the only reason I protect Harry is because he reminds me just subtly of Lily. Not enough for me to care, but just enough that mm -hmm. I think Lily would have appreciated me being nice to her child. Um, and I just, it's so gross. Snape was obsessed with Lily and that was the problem. Yeah. Um, because, and in this conversation with love, and I, I mean, I think this always hops around like fan theory, Harry Potter realm is like, with Snape's Patronus being a doe, which we learn that is Lily's Patronus as well, he is obsessed with her. He is not in love with her. He is obsessed with her. Whereas we see, of course, James Potter's Patronus was a stag to show that, in fact, he was like, you know, in love with, in love with Lily. He wanted to be the better half of Lily. Right. Snape wanted to, like, be as close to Lily as possible. Right. Not and it, love, like pure obsession. Right. And that, like, yet again, us standing on the outside of the series, just ma it makes it more and more gross that Harry names his kids after Snape. Like, he wanted the only reason. the only, You would not be alive if your mom wasn't amazing. Like, if she would have taken the, like, the train of, of Voldemort being like, get out of the way, and she'd been like, well, I guess. Um, you wouldn't have been here, and it's all Snape's fault, bro. Like, it's so, ugh, ugh. It's gross. Anyhow. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that, that covers our, our big Snape rant. Not even our big Snape rant. That's just, like, a tasteful part of Snape rant. Yeah. And I guess we can go ahead and, while we're talking about Snape, I think it's it's reasonable to move on to this, this theme of second chances. Mm -hmm. And we see second chances come through a lot in this book specifically. Um, we see it, of course, in Snape. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore gives Snape a very reluctant second chance. He's like, cool. If you would like to change your ways, you can be my spy. I will help you. I will keep you safe if you are giving me information. I will give you the chance to be a better human, all things considered. And Snape just jumps on it because like, yeah, sure. he's like, cool, this saves me. Um and we kind of see the second chance fuel his redemption arc, which we'll touch on at the end. Um, but another big character that gets a second chance in this book is Ron. Mm -hmm. And as I, my perception of Ron has been very ruined. Yeah, by reading these books, we've had Again. conversation in and out of recording about this. Right. And I think <laughs> you've had you've had the most vocal thing, so I'll let you speak on this. However, I do think he gets better. He does not get as better as both i remember him and i think he should have gotten right but i do think that it is it's it, it's okay it's it's doable right and i think specifically under this realm of second chances we see the deluminator come into play so i guess dumbledore theorized that ron was going to leave ron or leave harry and hermione which just opens up a weird different mm -hmm. different realm there but um we see that that ron Almost after, almost instantly after leaving, after spending a little bit of time away from Harry and Hermione, he is trying to get back. He's doing anything and everything he can to get back to them. Um, and he he asks them for a second chance. 
And they give it to him, and he gets... Ron gets a good quote-unquote redemption here. He was... It's definitely a redemption within the book. Right. He, was, he has been getting slowly and slowly crappier as the time went on, culminating in this, um, which I think it's a little bit underplayed because of the magic both within the locket making him do it and the Deluminator telling him to go back. Right. We'll touch more on that probably either later in the episode or, or next on next week. episode yeah. most likely. But I think we can go ahead and move to our last big like thematic point. Well, unless you want to go. There was just one small character that I wanted to touch yeah, on for redemptions. Okay. Uh, second th- uh, chances rather. Uh, which is uh, Narcissa. And oh, yes! Yes. So she has been basically portrayed throughout this as like th- all of the Malfoys are like pure evil and then slowly that was like breaking down it's like okay maybe not and like it it made it really made it feel like he was getting nailed down was like oh yeah their sister is bellatrix and narcissa and it's like aha but then like in this it's like hey is my is my son alive is my son going to be all right and just just with that one promise she she betrays the dark lord that she is basically like sold her life to yeah sold her life to it's it's ruining her family she is willing to turn on it on a dime to save her kid and I think that that would I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, that sort of mini redemption. It's it's not the biggest one out there. She didn't like immediately cast a spell as she didn't like immediately cast the Vada Kedavra at, at um, Voldemort, but it's right. still a milestone. It leads to his downfall, mm-hmm. and I think she was aware of what she was doing. And and I will argue that Draco Malfoy deserved a second chance. Oh, he definitely should have gotten one. And we'll hit on that a lot more next week because, oh my gosh. It feels cowardly that the only redemption he gets is in in the time between the the end of the book and the epilogue. Like, it's just like, he's okay now. He's not evil. He's got a kid. Right. He's not trying to actively kill me anymore. So, like, that's cash, I guess. But, and I just, man, like I said, that'll go really into our, our, actually, no, you know what? I'm going to hop on my soapbox of J.K. Rowling socks. Go for it. Here we go. Um, so my whole thing with Draco Malfoy, and we kind of touched this on this last week, too. He is a kid. Yes. He is He is this, this broken and damaged kid who is just afraid of everything. We see that in the last book. And she has the audacity to not give him a redemption arc in this book. If any character deserved a redemption arc, it was Draco Malfoy. This boy has been dealt the short end of the stick. Not only did his mom disobey, you know, ultimately um, break the trust of Voldemort, he does multiple times with not being able to actually kill Dumbledore and considering going to the to the good side, but also in not giving up Harry Potter immediately. He's like, I don't know who that is. And it just... It breaks my heart. And when you get into, like, some of the outside, like, lore from J.K. Rowling, you learn that, obviously we learn in this book that Draco's wand is Hawthorne and and unicorn hair. Mm -hmm. And with the extended stuff that J.K. Rowling gives us after this series, we learn that unicorn hair is one of the hardest wand cores to turn to dark magic. And I think that just says so much about Draco's character that he was just, he was dealt such a short hand in life. He didn't have another choice. Mm -hmm. And it just, my heart breaks for Draco Malfoy. Um, and my anger boils for J.K. Rowling, who just did not let this child grow. It's, it's it, honestly, it really feels like if you reading the books we just did, it feels like he that's what it was going to happen. This this book, I'm, I'm going to be honest, a lot happens in this book. And a lot of it feels like 
she came up with some really cool plot points because this is like obviously the deathly hollows had existed prior to this they had been mentioned but like this is really like the first time they're like brought explored. up and like and fleshed out and explored right and i feel like she just had a lot of plot points that she wanted to put on the table and she didn't have time for everything that she was setting up before because there's a lot i would say there's a lot of meat like left on the cutting room floor here that's a weird way to put it but yes yeah. i will agree i'm just trying to find that scene um where they're in the room of requirements and we just because i thought there was a little bit of a scene from draco okay so we kind of see it a little bit where where malfoy doesn't immediate obviously he he's going to turn harry in because he just doesn't want you know obviously you know draco or not draco sorry the dark lord is obviously being like i need harry potter and so when we see Malfoy kind of cut in into the into the room of requirements, he is not ready. He's not going to kill Harry. He doesn't even really want to hurt Harry. He's just like, I'm going to take you to the Dark Lord alive because that's going to stop the fighting. Mm-hmm. And he actually, I mean, we see Malfoy get mad at, um, at Crabbe and Goyle for trying to hurt Harry. He's always like, listen, they aren't going to do anything if we kill him. Mm-hmm. And and Malfoy, and we see a little bit of the fact that Malfoy, maybe maybe that's carrying in his friends, that he picks up the, the I believe it's one of the, whichever one that gets stunned. He mm-hmm. picks him up and he's like, I will try to save you to mess my abilities. And I just, man, I just, ugh. it just makes me so mad that she did not give him the chance to be a better character, mm-hmm. you know? Anyhow. But screw J.K. Rowling. Draco, J- <laughs> Draco deserved the redemption arc, not Snape. That's that. Um, and I guess the last big point I want to touch on mm-hmm. um, before we get into our characters is the Muggle-born registry. Not only we do we just see that Umbridge is bad, not only can she cast a Patronus that's just vibing, um, as she is prosecuting people to send to Azkaban with hundreds of Dementors floating around her. But also while she's wiring a Horcrux. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Any. <laughs> Anyhow, so this, this Muggleborn registry is, is what it sounds. They, are, they believe that Muggleborns have stolen magic from somebody and they have to prove that they have some sort of bloodline. Uh, some sort of tie to a magical being that is not another Muggleborn, and I—I I mean, we see—we see it is—it is a imprisonable offense to not be a registered Muggleborn, and we see that it's deadly. It ends in the death of Ted Tonks, who is a Muggleborn. Dean Thomas, this seventeen-year-old kid, has to run away from his family. In Hope and, and he's not even sure if he's Muggleborn. He just knows that he doesn't have proof that he doesn't have that he just doesn't have proof that he's a wizard, mm-hmm. or that he has wizarding family. And it's just so, my gosh, it's so messed up. And it just, I mean, obviously this is a parallel to like Nazism and like, yeah, the, the, and, you know, anyhow. But it doesn't just, make it any less messed up, right? Right. And I just, we see Harry, Ron, and Hermione try to to persuade these muggle-borns that are obviously getting you know getting uh interviewed interrogated by umbridge they're they're just like listen we gave you the out you take your families you run you get out of here i don't care where you go you just don't be here 
And they and it seems like most of them do. But yeah, that's just a little side note. That's just really messed up. <laughs> this is this is messed up. Um, but I guess we can go ahead and hit into characters. Right. Um, I'll let you start first. I've done a lot of talking this episode, and I apologize. No, so I'll let you go first. Don't pick worry a character. about it. Um, okay. All right. So I think a good character to talk to would be Luna. Right. Um, so Luna, throughout like the entire novel, uh, since her introduction, really, has always been sort of the aloof person that like nobody really gives the credit that she deserves, and but she is still competent. And not only that, but she is constantly growing uh as sort of incompetency and characterization throughout the book and i think that this is like a culmination of that not only was she like helping everybody out but she was she was literally captured by death eaters uh because the the quibbler was pushing out these sort of like pro potter like uh stuff and i think that it is like holy it is entirely like messed up that she had to like go through this and that she still turns out and is like keeping keeping good face after all this. I mean, for instance, in in her room, we see that she has painted uh, she has painted f- like five different faces of uh, our our main trio, Ron, Harry, um, Hermione, and then Ginny and Neville on her walls. Not even like magic to be like, oh hey, how you guys doing? It's just, she just used her own artistic talent uh, just t- to do it because she wanted to because these are her friends and it shows that she has such a strong bond of friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really think that the personality that she has is how Ron was like supposed to start out with. Like this is how close these bonds are. And then when Ron decided to take a different route, uh, Luna was introduced to sort of show like the true bonds that people uh, can like actually have and show in this universe. Right. And I have this like, quite a, like sort of sympathy to Luna too, because we see obviously there's a lot of times where Harry doesn't consider her as close of a friend that she obviously considers him. And it's so upsetting. I think it (laughs) says a lot. I don't know. There's always that little bit of self-doubt in the back of your mind when you make friends with somebody. You're like, do I mean as much to them as they mean to me? Mm -hmm. And I think Luna is the embodiment of that. Because we see Harry make the comment after seeing the portraits on her her ceiling of, I just, it just says that Harry just has a new fondness to her. Mm -hmm. And that's just so... It's so sweet. And Luna's just such a pure character. And like you said, it is genuinely impressive that this girl has seen so much. She's the only other person aside from Harry who had seen death really early on. Mm -hmm. And she just has this ability to stay positive, to keep her naivety about herself, and to just be unapologetically herself. And it's just so, it's so good. I, I adore Luna Lovegood. And, and we see, I do want to say that we see a lot of the difference between Luna's intelligence and Hermione's intelligence, specifically in not only Luna's like faith in things, uh, Luna has like a very open mind to everything. Luna is willing to just be like, yes, okay, you won't, you haven't disproved this. So I guess I'll agree with it. I can go with that. And I think that's the difference between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor too. Mm-hmm. It, or like at least Ravenclaw and then Hermione's level of, of smarts is that for you to be, it's more of wisdom over anything. It's the ability to be flexible. And we see that a lot in Luna's character. Whereas Hermione's intelligence is very statistics, very, very, very like hard fact based. Whereas Luna's is more of a like a wandering. And we see, like I said, the perfect scene for that is getting into the, the Ravenclaw's tower. Um, I can't remember what the question was now. 
to get her into the tower. But Luna's answer, it has to be very, there is no set answer. It has just, it's philosophical. Mm -hmm. And I think that perfectly embodies Luna. And she's just, she's just so, so good. Um, But yeah. Anything you want to add on Luna? Uh, I don't think anything else on Luna. Okay. If we want to dive into our next I I think I want to hit on Regulus. Okay. Um, because we get to learn a little bit about Regulus in this, um, which is Sirius's younger brother, who we learn is a seeker, which like means nothing to anybody but Harry. He's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. Neat. Uh, neato. <laughs> and we learn that originally Regulus is kind of like the the mirror image of Sirius. He just does everything in opposite. He actually he is a mirror image completely to Sirius. He is trying so hard to conform to his family ways. He is just trying to be to fit in with with his family. He just doesn't want to disappoint anybody. Mm-hmm. To the point that he joins Voldemort. And that is when he gets a little bit of rebellion in his soul. Regulus is ultimately the RAB from the locket in the last last book. Mm-hmm. We learn that Regulus is here to kind of screw over the Dark Lord, but tastefully unintentionally screwing over Harry, Ron, and Hermione. But, um, and we also just see there's so much compassion from Regulus, specifically to Creature, to the point that that's the reason Creature is so hospitable towards Sirius, is that that Sirius hurt Regulus over anybody. And, and, I mean, we see a change in Creature's personality um, when Harry gives him Regulus's locket. Mm -hmm. Um, But... But I really want to run the parallel between Regulus and Sirius here. Because, like, kind of like what I said, of course, we see Sirius immediately starts rebelling. But he ends up more like his family than Regulus did. You see, you know, Sirius ultimately becomes like his family, where he is just living in this house, and he is miserable, and he hates everything. Mm -hmm. And he is just very temperamental and just snappy. Whereas Regulus starts off just like their family, but slowly gets that rebellion that Sirius kind of starts out with. Mm -hmm. Um and overall, like, I don't know, it just, the bravery that Regulus had to have to, to sacrifice himself to ensure that the Dark Lord was not going to get away with what he was doing. You know? Mm-hmm. I just, that's my comment on Regulus Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can hop topics. He, he's a very fun character, uh, Regulus, that, like, I... It's he. I don't really think about him much when I think back to the series, but right. remembering him, I do. In fact, like I was like, I like him as a character. I like the idea of him. I I like the way that he is characterized and foils his brother. Right, and like I said, like he does act as a good mm-hmm. good foil to to Sirius. And I guess while we're talking about Sirius, kind you know, in extension, we can go ahead and talk about Remus, um, because I. <laughs> Obviously, if you've listened this far into this podcast, you know, I absolutely adore Remus Lupin. However, the asterisk is in this book specifically. <laughs> um, a little bit in the end of, of Half-Blood. Um, Sirius, oh, shoot. Remus has a very odd, I don't know, it makes me really upset because it feels like he just marries Tonks to, like, appease her feelings mm-hmm. over anything. Yeah. Because he's very distant from his wife. Just says a lot. I think that the way that it is it is trying to be portrayed, at the very least, the intention behind it was that he has lost so much that he he does uh, like love Tonks and wants the the life wants, with yeah, her, wants the, a life with her and to have uh, their child. However, he knows with an oncoming war and all that's happening in the world right now 
that that might not be able to happen. So he's trying to distance himself because everyone he has ever grown attached to has Dice. died. <laughs> um, so I think I think he it is really just him trying to, you know, protect those. Yeah, protect those people. It is not the right way he should have, but I can understand right. if you look at his. Uh, his past and his character, I can understand the steps that it took. It's well, not completely out of character. Right, and he is also so afraid of... He, obviously, by marrying Remus, Tonks has been cast as an outcast. Mm-hmm. And he, I think Remus, who has obviously been an outcast his entire life, is very sympathetic towards her. He's like, I wish she would just leave me. Um, and then, of course, when she gets pregnant, he's like, I, I don't... Werewolves don't have kids he's gonna have he might be a werewolf i don't know and okay however i will not excuse remus straight up cursing harry because harry calls him out Mm -hmm. harry has every right to call him out here is the boy who has never had his parents in his life because obviously not by choice it was not a choice by james and lily to sacrifice like to to leave Harry, they sacrificed himself themselves for him, and Harry gets mad at the suggestion of Remus running away with them. Mm-hmm. He is willing to abandon his wife and unborn child, and Harry calls him a coward, which is totally valid. Yeah. And and I guess you know he, he gets a little bit of a redemption in his apology, like not really apology, but the like his backward kind of like. I trust your instincts, Harry. You are right. You know, he gets a little bit of an apology there. But I just, the image of Remus cursing Harry and then storming off of Grimmauld Place is so just, grow up. You, the boy called you out for a thing that you're doing wrong. You should, you, I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. Um, so yeah, that's my, my Remus Lupin rant right there. Um, I still adore Remus Lupin. He's still one of my favorite <laughs> characters, but that just really frustrates me. I, yeah. I have a lot of like f- anger towards towards Lupin in that scene that he is just so willing to leave his wife and child. Just, it, yet again, it seems out of character, but also like the way he turns in, in Half Blood, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But mm, I don't know. Also, the fact Harry or Hermione and Ron get mad at Harry for being mean to to Lupin. It's yeah. Uh, no, Harry had the right to be mean to that to him. If anybody deserved to be mean to Lupin, it was Harry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I think that really, I think that covers all of our characters. Unless we want to talk. I mean, we could talk about Nar- Narcissa a little more, but we really hit on her we, earlier. We kind of hit. We kind of hit as much as we need to. I think um, it's. I think it's. I think it's time for. Yeah. I was gonna say, there's one more person I want to talk to, but go I'm gonna talk it. about it in in my MVP because I don't want it to get stale. Okay. Uh, so if, if we're okay, you can yes you can go ahead and start with we usually start well we usually start with L L V P but do we do we I don't you I know don't what? think so go but, for okay. it I don't know I barely know the acronym <laughs> <laughs> just go okay MVP um, okay so whether this is a change of format or not I will be starting with MVP <laughs> um, so this is maybe this is, I think this is unprecedented so far I think two in a row Neville Longbottom MVP I, I love him okay so we didn't touch on exactly how it happens but first off he come they come back to the hog's head and he's just standing there in the corridor like hey i'm bloody but it's because i'm taking the beating for other people i'm caring about everyone else first of all the book describes him as if i'm remembering correctly strapping so there's that (laughs) 
There's that. I want to make sure that this this dopey little kid that started out like, oh, is described as strapping later on. And if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what else will. Um, so not not only has he he's like he's grown up uh, like physically he's grown up a lot mentally he's become a lot tougher and hardier and he's just really showing this sort of like uh, sort of paternal side and like trying to like help these kids along uh, acting like the teacher that he later becomes of like just being very like gentle to these people and trying to help them through and not caring about what he has to take on himself mm-hmm. not only that but sort of as as he is a member of the silver trio as he said to our golden trio here uh he is also sort of the the silver chosen one he's chosen one number two sort of right. he, he's chosen two i guess chosen two um he because he's he's there and he's told by harry hey uh can you uh take out that snake and he's like oh uh, yeah sure so this is something we also uh, glossed over. I'm sorry I'm going a little fast. I just really like this guy. Um, he's sitting there in front of Voldemort. And Voldemort takes this, the living sorting hat, <laughs> burns it, and sets it atop Neville Longbottom's head. While it is still on fire. <laughs> While it is still on fire. he They're like going like, <laughs> like laughing at him. Like the last acts of the, of the sorting hat. Uh, he's like, hey, hey, boy, l- l- go in here. Neville reaches in, pulls out the sword, and lops off Nagini's head in the coolest scene in a book that I have read in a long time. It is, it is great. I love it. I, I think it is one of the things that the movie does exceptionally well. Yes. I think it is a super powerful, powerful scene that these movies were kind of lacking for a while. It was just sort of like going with the motions of the book. But this is like... It has its own spin. The score is great. I believe I, if I'm remember, remembering correctly, the sorry, if I'm remembering correctly, the music sort of cuts out as the swing goes through, and you just hear the sound effects. It is beautiful. Um, but anyway, <laughs> all of this to say that you're in love with Neville Longbottom. Listen, I would I, listen. I'm just saying, if Neville Longbottom was real and made in advance, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. God, okay? I love him so much. Um, but uh, but yeah. So ne- Neville's great, and I believe that. I mean, truly, without him, the- Harry would be gone. I mm-hmm. mean, if we're gonna talk about source book, that happened. Neville was stopped from doing his act, and then Harry legitimately died in Cursed right. Child. I mean, we're gonna talk about but the we're not, not book. About that. Anyway, <laughs> Neville's great MVP for sure. Um, actually, you kind of took mine. I was going to do Neville as well, but I, I will think. So. I will think of a second one. But I do want to hop on the like gush about Neville train here because not only that, he leads. He kind of takes Harry's place as the leader of the DA. Um, in in this book, mm-hmm. we see him leading the student revolution underneath Snape's nose. He is doing everything he can to piss off Snape. He obviously he is the one who kind of we learn later that he's the one who suggests they break into his office, mm-hmm. and I just Neville gets the badass return he deserves. I'll he bleep it. I don't care. <laughs> I just I adore Neville on him. My um, my backup was gonna be his grandmother, by the way. <laughs> just because I, she was she was shown as like this old frail woman with her like, moth eaten hat. And she's like, I'm and gonna go. Like, anyway, dearies, I'm going to go beat the ever loving crap out of some wizard boys. <laughs> I'm I'm just imagining if Neville would have been the chosen one, uh, his grandma walking out and just grabbing Voldemort by the throat and being like, listen here, boy. <laughs> and just like hey, snap bucko. him. Just snap him over her knee. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Um, 
my MVP will be Narcissa Malfoy. Mm, okay. A little bit of a hot take. Not really, um, honestly. Um, and this gives me another opportunity to gush about her. Not only um, is her hairstyle in the movie absolute gold. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Anyhow, <laughs> we see that it's her love for her son that saves Harry. We have seen it before in the other in in the last book. She's willing to do anything to protect her only child. And we see I just oh my gosh. Her she I just the impact of her lying to Voldemort to Voldemort's face about Harry being dead. She leans down and she asks, "Is my son okay?" And Harry Harry just seen him. Harry saved him and says yes. And she goes, cool, all right, I've got you. And it just, let's be real. If Narcissa would have been like, hey, Voldy, you messed up. He ain't dead. Book would have ended real gone, weird. Gone. <laughs> um, but I just, Narcissa Malfoy is just very, also, I mean, she gives up her only defense to allow Draco to have some sort of defense. After Harry takes Draco's wand, after the, after the issue, like the hoopla at Malfoy Manor, Draco says later that his he has his mother's wand. His mom gives up the only thing that she has protecting herself and gives it to her son, leaving both her and her husband without a wand. And I just, the respect I have for Narcissa Malfoy. She, she is just a, one of the three mothers whose love saves Harry. Mm-hmm. We Obviously, Lily's love saves Harry and the very beginning molly molly's love for him keeps him alive but it's narcissa malfoy's love for her own child that allows harry to overcome voldemort and i think that's mm-hmm. power to narcissa malfoy love her would let me run would let her run me over with a bus but that's a different <laughs> story um all right so since you gave us the first mvp would you like to give us your lvp yeah here here's where i don't want to steal yours again so i no, go for it okay I have a handful. Okay. My LVP is going to have to be Remus Lupin. Oh, ooh, that hurt me, but yeah, go for okay. it. okay. That wasn't, you didn't step on my toes, you hurt my heart. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the reason I say that is just because, and this is my usual, he's not important to the plot. This is that he is actively, like, he is going against, uh, I, and we, we've talked about this, he's not fully out of character. But he, he's going against his earlier, like, notions of, like, I, I'm here for, like, in the legacy of James and Lily and now Sirius. Um, he is sort of just, he's taking a coward's way out. And I kind of wish that, I, I had this, um, I, I had this thought while we were thinking about this. Like, if I, had a, if I had a chance to sort of, like, rewrite the books, like, what I would do. And I think it would have been a lot more powerful in the scene of, like, he 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 admits to uh, to Harry that he sacrificed himself on purpose, and this was like his final act of sort of cowardice. And I think it would have been a lot better if like he he like while living told Harry like I'm gonna go sacrifice myself. It'll save everything. And he told him how cowardly he was that he's leaving behind a son and a wife. And I think that that would have been a better turning point for him. And I think that his character there was a little bit left like left there that I think could have been explored more. And I think that. Just because of how J.K. Rowling wrote it, he is my LVP. Just because she did not let him explore to the depths that he should have. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It hurts me, but I'll give you that. My LVP is going to be Ron Weasley. <laughs> That's fair. That's also fair. <laughs> That's what I thought. As you, as the R, as I could see your mouth making the R, I was like, 
don't you don't do it again don't do it again you um, was up there i i was also i i think we would like to announce a collective lvp of severus snape but that's a different story that's mm-hmm. just because we hate snape this is a snape hate account we will talk about mvp and lvps in the next episode right of our like overall series ones um but i just want to talk about just my lvp is going to be ron weasley we see him first off i made this comment the other day while rereading the books that ron weasley was definitely the kid in high school that punched holes in his drywall Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm not sure why but i can i can feel it he also probably put trash in the holes in the drywall. Probably. It, and if Molly Weasley would have found out, he'd been dead. Oh, yeah. Molly he Weasley would have had, killed him. He had a poster of, like, I don't know, <laughs> Victor Crumb up on the wall. He picks up his Cuddly Canyons uh, poster and punches <laughs> the drywall and puts it back. Um, anyhow. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to say he's my LVP because not only does he just succumb to the, to the locket, and and snap at Harry and Hermione. And I understand that insecurities run deep, but you do not take your yet again, you don't take your anger out on people who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it just Ron's especially I'm gonna specifically first half of this book, Ron Weasley. Yes, that's Ron okay. Weasley before he comes back. And it just it makes me mad because Ron Weasley is portrayed as the the like the loyal member of this crew to Harry and Hermione. But yet here we see him turn and run away from them because he gets his feelings hurt. And I'm just really not here for male egos getting hurt and then them fleeing because she might not love me. Get over yourself. Yeah, I don't care. But come on. Right. So that's but he does. He does he does get over it and she does love him, but he's just being a brat. And for that I will make him my LVP. One scene that we didn't touch on that I'm just going to add the sprinkle in here at the end. My favorite scene in this book, despite the fact it's when Fred gets got, is Percy Weasley cracking a joke. Mm-hmm. It That's a, you know what, that's a good, I'm going to give J.K. Rowling credit there. That's a good redemption arc. <laughs> a better de- redemption arc than she gave Draco Malfoy. Better, and Snape. Better written than Snape's. But, um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening to this, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> This, like, almost two hours of rambling. <laughs> um, next week, we will be having a sort of uh, overall view of the, all seven of the books, mm-hmm. along with our, uh, as we mentioned, uh, sort of, like, feelings and rankings of the books. Oh, yes. Compared to uh, when... Our first episode. Our, yes, compared to our first episode <laughs> listings. Um, um, yeah. It'll yeah. be... I, I think it'll be kind of cool. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of a deep dives into characters and stuff. So just basically, for our radio folk... Um, the ends of these episodes, but most of the episode. <laughs> um, we will also be next episode. We might have uh, mentioned it or let it slip a little bit earlier in some episodes, but we will be announcing what uh, book series we'll be doing uh, next uh, next episode as well. Absolutely. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Classroom, a United 2 production. Feel free to tune into our parent station, 91.7 FM of Morgantown, West Virginia. There's going to be a new episode of The Classroom live on United 2 every Friday at 11 a.m. Uh, if you're out of our earthly reach, feel free to stream United 2 at united2themoose.com. Easy enough, right? On our homepage, not only are you going to find us, but you can also stream new alternative music and listen to our podcast buddies along, uh, along our side. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and catch us soon.